But yeah, as composers, we're we're used to, um, like setting everything up and then hitting play. Yeah. Like in the middle of it, we just like don't worry about it. Unless you have like improvisational pieces, I don't know how much improvisation you do, but like, uh, it's a lot of just like set everything up and then hit play. And it's like while you're listening back to it, you don't have to like stress about it because it's already done. And then yeah, you'll like oh, there's a little error, and then you stop it and then set it up again. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Technically, I guess you don't have to stress about it ever. Just. Give the music to the formers, let them play, and yeah, don't yeah. worry about what happens while they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but like it's also, I mean, because you can't like at a performance, you can't stop it. Like <laughs> you can't go, oh, like uh, violin two, you messed up, so you, let's, let's just go back. Like that's what rehearsals for. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um. But yeah, we're we're like, and like you talked about on the last one, like part of being a composer is planning and getting all the people. And so we're just really big planners. <laughs> we, we like get all the stuff together and that's kind of might be also the, the point of the pun in machinations. <laughs> like it's, it, it's a concert that I'm like, scheming to get all this stuff put together so that I can put on a thing. But yeah. Um but yeah no talk about the because we just talked about it but it wasn't recording so <laughs> the, the more of the concepts of your album. Oh yeah okay. <laughs> so yeah. So this album is um titled Music for Memories. And something I wanted to do with it is make it a concept album. And that's something I always like because of um, bands like Pink Floyd, System of the Down, and Dream Theater that do that. Mm. So that's something I wanted to have with my album. And I wanted to all be based on a central theme. Mm. And that idea is um, all the music is inspired from memories. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> to Just because this is the way my brain works. Uh, <laughs> the concept of memories um, is that, like, it's not just positive memories, obviously. No. Yeah. No. Um, but like, so yeah, you'd mentioned like the sexual harassment stuff in there. No. Uh, what else is in there? <laughs> another another uh, one of the tracks, uh, one of the yeah, one of the tracks was inspired by the Stanford rape victim's closing statement. Mm. She read read to her her attacker during mm. the trial, and it was picked up and went viral. And was a lot of news stations were reporting and covering it. Do you remember like a part of it or? Yeah, actually, I do. Yeah, you can pull it up. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, can you pull up that article? Uh, I, I've only recently started listening to yeah. every other Joe Rogan podcast, but that, that's a Joe Rogan reference. Uh, <laughs> anyways, go for so, it. So with the the um. It's a two-movement piece, mm-hmm. and um, both movements are like inspired from two specific quotes that I that I took from her her statement. And the first one was, "My damage was internal, unseen. I carry it with me. You took away my worth, my privacy, my energy, my time, my safety, my intimacy, my confidence, my own voice until today." And that was kind of the quote that I 
based the first movie and a half, and it's darker. Mm-hmm. It was more, and I more tried to um, capture her emotions and stuff she was feeling mm-hmm. while enduring all of that. And then the second movement is more positive, and it's it's um, based off this quote: "Lighthouses don't go running." all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. And it's supposed mm-hmm. to f- focus on, and what she ch- chose to focus on is the positivity of um, the people that helped her along the way. Yeah, yeah. To After that took place, the two mm-hmm. bicyclists that found her and mm-hmm. said that they could have easily just saw what was happening and walked off and not done anything mm-hmm. and consider it not their problem to deal with. Right. But they stopped and they tackled them and prevented something potentially worse from happening right so it that movement focused more on you know, positivity yeah i mean we, we had just kind of talked about like doing something kind for people regardless of yeah. if like it, you get something for it yourself and like it's actually i mean that's one of my biggest things is like love no yeah. matter what um but like Memory is really, I mean, interesting is not the word I'm going for. Uh, (laughs) um, Important and crucial that how are you using like memory as sort of like the crux of the thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so like um, with two bicycles specifically, that's ins- inspired from her statement. Mm. So the statement is also a series of her reaccounting the night and everything that happened, a series of her memories. Mm. So that's like the connection that that has. Mm. Um, some of the the other pieces, one of the pieces um, is uh, titled Flight UA 862. Mm. It was based off of a, a trip I took to China and back. Okay, yeah. And my experience with like flying on planes because they kind of scare me a little bit. So, <laughs> so I, it was like that. So they're like some of them, my memories. Some of them mm. are, yeah, yeah, other people's. That's kind of how that ties in. Yeah, I have like a weirdness writing about my own experiences. Yeah. Um, because like, I mean, I'm still young, and so I feel like sometimes my like experiences aren't worth other people's experiences that are like better or whatever. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. It's like for some reason we feel like our experiences aren't valid or aren't as important mm-hmm. as people who are older or something. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Or people who have endured things that are more difficult. Yeah. Or have been through a different set of experiences that I know what you mean. I've Yeah. It's like kind of that same feeling. I haven't really lived life like i've just been going to school my entire (laughs) life and like that's privileged enough i guess but like and and it's weird because yeah every person's experience is important and everything like your whole world is your whole world and so that's what that means to you but like i'm still just like i don't know man i'm just 23 like (laughs) yeah i i think of it also as even though because everyone always experiences things differently. No one can mm. experience something the same. Mm. So that I don't think there's... I try to just avoid that and not think about how no one's experience are more valid or invalid than anyone mm. else's. I think deep down we're all connected by how we experience emotions. Yeah. And then that way we're connected. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. And thought ahead. I like, I write a lot of songs from like hypothetical points of view because I, I like making up stories, but it's, it's also that I don't have enough like experiences in my experience counter or like whatever that means. And so here, let me just make up a story that's a better experience than like a story I could tell from my life, uh. which is dumb. Like I'm devaluing <laughs> myself by doing that, but like it's still, I mean, it also means I get to be a writer too. So that's fun. <laughs> um, well, and you kind of talked about, uh, like you're not good at writing with your own words. Yeah. Why, like, why are you afraid of that? Or like, I don't know if afraid is the word, but like, you just don't like it as much. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, some things come easy and some things don't. And I feel mm. like with writing, creating music, there's like a natural instinct in me. I It just seems natural. I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for like writing text, I, it doesn't come to me in that way. Mm. It's more of a struggle, something I don't know if I would, I could really yeah. fully do. In the same way, like Olivia, the one I'm working, I worked mm. on with the opera, that stuff is like so good. There's so many genius things she did with the text <laughs> in that opera connecting. Uh, I don't want to say anything about it specifically though, but right, right. for the performance, but there's so many like ways she drew connections and parallels mm. between the characters. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Well, you can that say I like, don't, I just don't think that way. I think more so musically and communicating that way. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, but like last year's as well. Yeah. Uh, like what are the things that she said better than you could have said if you had written it? <laughs> Another. Yeah. That's a good point too. Is like, mm-hmm. I guess based off of, people's experiences mm-hmm. and I guess the person writing the text last year's opera was titled nicer when you smile and it mm-hmm. was about sexual harassment. Yeah. So I think that's something women experience at higher rates. And yeah, since Olivia is a woman, so she has that direct experience and mm-hmm. has probably had her own experiences mm-hmm. that she can really relate to the character and stuff yeah. that she's writing. Yeah. And so you don't get to like mansplain all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote this opera about no, but (laughs) you know, Um, yeah. And the, it's a weird thing for me that like, I, I'm kind of the opposite. Like, I don't want other people to write my words for me. Mm. Like I take pride in the fact that like, no, I, I write all of the words that go on my stuff. And like, I did, I did both. Um, and I mean, so you wrote, so you wrote all the text for your opera as mm-hmm. well. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, and it's like, you know, it it's like a dumb rom com sort of thing, but like a, a sci fi rom com sort of thing. Um, but like, I mean, I have experiences with romantic comedies, <laughs> <laughs> but I have experiences with um, like relationships and stuff, and uh. I'm getting married in October. I've uh, been with mm. my fiance uh, for nine years. Um, uh. So like th- this is one of those instances like earlier I was like, oh, my my experiences don't matter. But this is one of those instances where like I've been in a nine year relationship. I think I can say something about relationships. <laughs> 
like I think I have the qualifications of well, nine years is a is a long time by most people's count of boyfriend girlfriend. <laughs> so I I at least feel comfortable in putting words with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even still, it's like not my story. It's about androids. Um, but I I get to explore that. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think that um, that there are lots of times when, yes, like I'm listening to a band that I like and there's lyrics that like, oh, they, they spoke directly to my soul or something. Um, and hopefully like I can do that for someone else, but it, it's kind of the same thing with music. Like we, we make evocative experiences so that other people can be like, Oh, I really connected to that. Um, do you ever get like, this is, this is the thing I think about <laughs> a lot, but like, do you feel weird promoting your music to other people? Because you're kind of saying like, I am worth your time. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting thought. I don't know. I don't really haven't necessarily thought of it that way. <laughs> I think if it was like I'm creating music and if the I I'll promote that and share all I want and the people that are interested will take yeah, the yeah. time to invest into it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel like I'm taking their time. <laughs> and well, then Yeah. Oh go ahead. Oh no, that's right. Um but like cause I know there's better music than what I make. Like, I'm I'm proud of the stuff that I make. But, but no like, one's making music like you're making. Right, yeah. Or I'm making or anyone else. Everyone has their own unique style. If True, they're writing yeah. from a genuine perspective of who the, they are. That actually does help a lot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, you could just listen to, like, WC instead. <laughs> and that'll be a lot better than, like, the stuff I'm making. It's different yeah. from what I'm making. And I'm not necessarily making music to sound like WC or fill that void that WC might fill, but like, you're there's it's better music. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I feel weird about that, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not even necessarily about WC, but it's like you could go to a different concert. That's that's weird. <laughs> You're thinking about all the experiences that someone didn't get because they're choosing. Yeah, words. it's it's that's stupid. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but I mean, like, no, I like the way that you put it because it makes it to where I still have value. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, like it. It's weird because yeah, we have to market ourselves. All the yeah. time we were prostituting our souls to, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it's weird. Like the money thing as well. <laughs> um, although honestly, I, feel like, I haven't really made money off of music, but go ahead. <laughs> honestly, I was thinking about that. I thought about that before too. It's like, it shouldn't be like an awkward thing. Like wanting like to sell your music mm-hmm. or make money from your craft like that. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like in our society, it's such a weird topic. And you hear all these stories of people trying to like undercut artists and not pay them. Yeah, exactly. 
and it's weird, but I think it stems back to like music and art in general in our society not really being valued yeah. as much as other things. And it's looked on as like a frivolous extra thing instead yeah. of being integral and important yeah, to who exactly. we are. And it, and it should be. It should be integral. Yeah. It is. Well, and it's funny because like, you know, I, I end up talking about like politics and religion. And stuff. <laughs> like these like big looming things that are about our lives and sort of take over our lives and i'm i'm still over here like well i just make music <laughs> like <laughs> and it you know i yeah it in some ways it's like i'm not doing anything about it i'm just making music i used air quotes because this is an audio podcast <laughs> so I, i'm saying that out loud um but like at the same time we're not just making music like we are making music and like, if we don't make it, who the hell else is going to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, yeah, I, I appreciate that, like, your your opera work is, like, hey, we're talking about sexual harassment. We're talking about uh, police brutality. Um, because that that is stuff that needs to be said. And it can only be, like, it can be said in different ways but saying it in this format might speak to people differently (laughs) especially when when you're like an art you're able they're able to see the emotions and the characters in a more intimate way Mm -hmm. in opera whereas in thinking of real life situations Mm. a lot of times it's easy just to write it off as like oh Mm. this person was a criminal they deserve to be they deserve to be shot when that's not the case at all. Right. They're not looking at it as a human being that was killed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's cool about presenting this issue in opera form. Yeah. It's because it's allowing the audience to see the emotion and and yeah, yeah. how the families are actually families are actually impacted by this issue. Mm-hmm. But now they're getting to see the inside of it because they're not able to see that yeah, yeah. That aspect of it in real life. Well, in art, um unless they're I'm sorry, unless they're personally encounter situation. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but like art does that. Um, like if you take that situation like, oh, uh, someone getting shot, like you could – like there's tons of body cam footage of people getting shot by police. But – that goes by so quickly and there's a whole lot of context and stuff going on before and after that. But like doing it in an artistic way to like take the moment and getting to know the character and getting to feel the emotion is far different than just like watching body cam footage of like, it speaks better than the real thing Mm. sometimes. (laughs) Um, and I say this oddly and frivolously, but like, hopefully, a opera about android love is <laughs> similar. <laughs> um, but like, I I tackle the stuff on machinations because, in the same way that like Black Mirror does it, that these are concepts that we'll be facing soon that like once we make an ai sentient and able to experience emotions 
will have to deal with like the moral ramifications <laughs> of subjecting them to essentially slavery or uh you know uh cursing them to a life without love or whatever that might mm-hmm. be so like these are concepts that i like exploring uh one because i'm a giant nerd but two <laughs> because like it is stuff that we will be dealing with soon enough <laughs> um What's something that you've been wanting to write about that you haven't like found a way of doing it? Like an issue or just like a in general a piece or anything? Uh, yeah, in general. So this is an idea I kind of had for a while about a piece I've mm. won the right. I think it'd be super cool to have a piece based off of like a chess match cool. happening. Mm. And you have two conductors and they each are conducting their own pods. Of this orchestras. is Chris Prather's idea. <laughs> Nobody steal it. Nobody steal it. <laughs> um, but then each conductor is cueing individual ideas happening, and they go back and forth. Mm. And I think that really. But I got to figure out how the. Ex- I think when the yeah. moment's right, I'll I'll know when I need to start working on that, mm-hmm. and when it, I'll know how to execute it and everything. But yeah, there's a lot of logistical stuff that you have to like <laughs> process first. Like, um, I. <laughs> I have kind of like two modes of like making music, which is like, there's just the intuitive, like, Oh, I want it to sound like this. And so let me try these tools and methods to like make stuff happen. Uh, but it's mostly intuitive. It's like, Oh, uh, you know, I want it to sound emotional. So I'm going to go high here or whatever that might be. Um, but then I also have like, a process-based composition. Um, I don't know if you ever do this, but it's like, I like this concept. So I'm going to apply this concept in all levels of the composition process. Do you mean like theoretical concept? Like Yeah, sometimes. Or like a concept in general, like a some kind of like subject matter you're Yeah, about? yeah. Or- like, I don't know, you could write a piece about uh, the annoying like rattling that your fridge makes at night. <laughs> And so, like, if, if it makes, like, the same rhythm, like, every time, you could make the entire piece do, like, the da-da-da, da-da-da, like, and it would, like, make its way through the whole piece. And, like, that's that's kind of a process-based composition. Um, I mean, the Beethoven 5 is short, 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 long, so uh, you can do that, and you can squeeze a lot out of a, a very little idea. Um but like what I what I did with the um, the percussion ensemble piece uh, that I was I didn't like having people play it because it was just serialism and serialism isn't fun to make or play or hear <laughs> so like what's the point but <laughs> um but like the process was interesting. Like, I had, like, a spreadsheet and everything and, like, laid out all the rhythms and laid out, like, where it all needed to go. And, like, there were creative decisions being made, but they weren't, like, I wasn't picking what notes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was just really tedious <laughs> yeah. to to make all of that happen. Um, but, like, I didn't the creative decisions weren't 
oh, like this note is going to go up or this rhythm is going to happen here. Like all of those things were decided for me. Um, but then I chose like which sets go where. Um, and that's like a, a process-based thing that like I didn't make the music. The process made the music. I just <laughs> made the process. <laughs> um, do you ever like use process based sort of stuff <laughs> that's a good question I'm trying to think of a specific <laughs> I don't know I guess in process wise I guess if I have like a certain motive I'm using to construct mm-hmm. the piece on I'll try to create other ideas based off of maybe that motive so mm-hmm. maybe I guess that in a way yeah, yeah. is a process <laughs> of creating, creating music but a lot of times I let like the story or what the topic I'm writing yeah, about yeah. help dictate the musical decisions I make. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever make music for like music's sake? It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> that is hard because you ha- have no stories to hide behind with the. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do write also just music. I wrote this brass quintet. Actually, I was just at the rehearsal this morning. Mm. They sounded so good this morning. <laughs> like, I was so blown away. So the Blackwelder Brass is the group, hmm. but they've been rehearsing it on their own. They said, "Hey, we'll let you know when we want you to start coming to rehearsals because we want to make sure we got it all ready to go." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine with me. That's that awesome." Would be really nice <laughs> to. No offense to like my brass quintet, but it's like whenever you're just wrangling people to like get a thing played is yeah. a very different thing than like having a set ensemble to. That like, I think is what that. the benefit for this was because it, it is like a set ensemble like. So they have built-in rehearsal times. Yeah, and everything. yeah. So it's not extra outside work like when you do like what you were mentioning. Yeah. But yeah, I came to the rehearsal this morning and they just nailed the parts down. I yeah. made a couple like balanced corrections and a couple mm. articulation changes. But other than that, it was like nothing. Yeah. We had nothing like major things they have to like rehearse through. So yeah, yeah but that's, that, that's an cool. example of an instrumental work that I... <laughs> yeah, well... My brass quintet was actually that way too. Uh, I I made it right after doing that percussion piece because I was just like, I am so tired of like this math process of just like having everything decide like and just dealing with numbers and MIDI and stuff. So I was just like, let me just completely intuitively make a piece. Um, And it's like, it's pretty hard, but it's like so much fun. Like it's really fun to hear. Yeah, um, but like, I just completely rebelled against like, no, no more <laughs> structured process based stuff. Let me just like make a thing and like, oh, this flows into the next thing. Oh, here's a different section. And this feels like this. And so it just like, it just kind of came out of me That's as awesome, it was, yeah. um, which, yeah, it kind of like highlighted the, the differences between here's the process based music and here's the intuitive music, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I ever use like some sort of process, I always, in the end, if I feel like it stops serving my vision with yeah, what yeah. the pieces or like the music, then I just I'll just drop that stuff. I can't. I don't want to like restrict myself so much, but mm. it, I think it's cool to facil- use that as a way to like start facilitating ideas. Yeah, and- yeah. I think maybe I'm really strict with myself in that, just because like I took the time to like make it happen in the first place or something, but like. Also, just different examples with, like, John Cage, like, Music of Changes. 
for example. He like made a whole system to like set up the music. Mm. Uh and then he just like flipped the coins. Like <laughs> um is it's the I think he based it off the the I Ching. Um I might be saying that wrong. I don't I don't remember what it actually is, but like it was basically just a completely chance based music. And so he wrote the piece, but he didn't like write the piece. <laughs> uh, the universe wrote the piece. <laughs> um and that that's pretty neat. Um but like he went all the way with it. Like he was like okay, well, this is the rules and let's just have that be the piece. And yeah. um, the hard part is then to make sure that it still sounds good afterwards. Mm. But like, if that's not the goal, then I guess the, that, <laughs> that wasn't the goal for it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure John Cage did, like didn't really care if it sounded good. Like, I don't think he cares if 433 sounds good. <laughs> Oh, I don't think he cares if it sounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, no, he does care. It needs to not sound. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm probably just holding on for it a little too long. <laughs> um, do you look at uh, film scores differently than like video game soundtracks? Like, you mean, like, like how you, f like, oh, this one's good because of this. Oh, like <laughs> having a different set of criteria. Yeah, to judge yeah. It. Oh, that's interesting. Ah, I don't know. Because there's certain specific things that you have to do with both those types of yeah, yeah. music because of the medium they're written for mm. that you wouldn't be able to judge with the other one. Like... I think with video game music, how is the composer keeping it interesting mm. when they're limited by someone being controlling all the actions and being in a certain yeah. screen for an unlimited amount of time? Mm -hmm. Or if they want potentially an unlimited amount of time or not. So yeah. how do they make sure the music doesn't get old? I think that's mm -hmm. something that I you could judge. But with film scoring, you have such a set time limit. I yeah. wouldn't have that same type of thing I could think about for it. Is it effectively? I guess yeah. There's. I guess there are some different. Yeah, yeah. Things you think about, <laughs> the, but also is the. I guess it's still if the music's good or not in general. Yeah, I still. I wouldn't like put them on their own levels. Like, did we take history of video game music we together? Did, I just remember okay, that. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember that. That's uh, an awesome class. Yeah, that, that's cool. That is the class that made me change majors. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll do vocal music ad as a sort of backup plan and then I'll do music production afterwards. Mm. And then like I took that class and I was like, I need to go to music production like that now. Was, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Um which I'm I'm very happy with that decision. But like yeah, no, that that class did change how I wanted to go about my career. <laughs> huh. Um so what makes a good film score to you? <laughs> that's that's good. I think I I think I something that I think about is that the music I I directly associate it with the movie itself. Also, it's hard. Mm. I think in general everyone does that. It's hard to s separate it on its own. Mm. 
So I think if it's really effective at communicating um, the story mm-hmm. and the emotions and the characters and everything, I think that's what makes it really good. Mm-hmm. Which is why John Williams stuff is so yeah. fantastic. But I think the other part too <laughs> is that like there's a separation in the caliber with how the music serves because mm. John Williams is is so recognized because he does both. He makes both good music just on its own, yeah. and then it serves the movie. I, um, I see what you're saying because you could. There's a lot of like more recent movies. Mm. I mean, even in the Marvel movies, I mean, the music is so like yeah, it's happening and it serves its purpose with the emotion, but it's not memorable. Yeah, when, like, whereas with John theme, Williams, it is yeah. the only theme that you can remember from the Marvel movies is just the Avengers theme. And I watched yeah. Captain Marvel recently, so it's da 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 da, oh, yeah. um, which is like a simple minor scale thing, but you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, like if Thor has a theme, it wasn't made clear enough in three different movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and it's probably been different composers and stuff, but like, still. Like, they really miss an opportunity in not having leitmotifs for every superhero. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. That's where it, it gets scary. Like, when I mentioned before about, like, the music seeming genuine or seeming just commercialized mm-hmm. or not. I feel like you get in, like, a weird territory like that with some movies. And, yeah. And also, I mean, the composers are in a situation where they're, they're having to write with serves what the director's vision is they don't really yeah yeah get to just do whatever they want mm-hmm. like like john williams gets to do what he wants so, <laughs> so i guess well, they're yeah. in a tough situation because of that but and like time constraints yeah, as time well constraints. um one of my favorite video game composers uh disaster piece um he uh he had to deal with like both temp love and like a <laughs> short time frame yeah. Um, I, I would never want to hear a template before. Once you hear that, that's all you're going to hear. It's yeah. so hard to separate yourself yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> but like the weird thing that he had to deal with is that, um, so he, he did the, the soundtrack for Fez, uh, mm. which is like a really popular indie game. Uh, like one of the indie darlings as they call it. Um, the director of, uh, what then became the movie it follows, um, had played Fez and uh, really liked it. And so he wanted to hire <laughs> uh, Rich Reland, a disaster piece. And so he like, he actually used temp tracks from Fez to go in the movie. <laughs> that's sport. That's cool. So like the director had temp love for his music. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. Like that's awesome, though. Right, but at the same the, time, that was Danny Elfman. I think how he got found out. The director liked the stuff with the band he was in, or something. Yeah, wasn't it? But like having to deal with temp love for your own music because you're trying to make new music <laughs> for and to have it serve the film because that music that you made before is not for the film. Yeah, and so I feel like that would be a lot easier than. Dealing with the temp tracks from other people. Yeah. So if it's your own stuff, I mean, yeah. it's still your style. I mean, you 
you can still write something different and still close to that vein. Real yeah. Busy, as opposed to having to try to mimic <laughs> a certain style. Yeah. Certain I mean, it, it's easier and you get in less legal trouble for it, but you know, <laughs> but like temp love can be so bad. Like, um, uh, 2001, the, the soundtrack that we all know is yeah. the temp tracks <laughs> and like, he had so much temp love that even whenever the composer like gave him the finished score, he was like, nah, I'm just going <laughs> to stick with the temp tracks and just pay for all of the licensing for it. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that would be tough to be that composer. Man. Yeah. That'd be upsetting. Hopefully he still got paid for it. That's but, what I was know. wondering about. <laughs> um, I mean... Or they just let him keep the music as part of that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think they released uh or someone else had released a version of two thousand one uh like yeah, Kubrick's thing, but like with the the score rather than like the temp tracks. Um I haven't actually listened to it, so I, I don't know. But like it is kind of I hope I hope I never have to do it. <laughs> um, but going back to like the thing that we were talking about, like I do worry that since the industry has gotten so like one fast, but also like just score it, like there's less room for creativity and making like a melody. Um, I've been playing uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, which is the the third Tomb Raider game in the reboot sort of series. And the soundtrack is really good. Like, it's really well implemented in the game. Um, But it's also not catchy at all. (laughs) Like, there's... It's set in Peru, and so, like, there's a lot of, like pan flute and like drumming stuff and like really cool like world music as it's called but like i also don't know like there's no melody in it like there's there's like the action pads and then there's like all of the like wind flutey percussiony stuff but it doesn't do anything musically for me mm. <laughs> uh and I don't know, like, film scores are doing that, too. That, like, here's the emotions that you need, but there's not the music that you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember, like, the last movie that I, like, remembered the score for. Uh, which is probably Blade Runner 2049. Um, I think... I think, I think Black Panther might have been one of the last ones. Oh yeah, yeah that, that music that was <laughs> that music was fantastic. That stood out from like from yeah, exactly. all the other Marvel movies. It was so mm. it worked so well with it. There was a um um Lud, uh, Ludwig Gorenson is the guy's name. Um uh and he was on Song Exploder. I don't know if you listen to any podcasts, but um Song Exploder takes songs and like kind of goes through the process of like how they made it um but like 
uh, he had talked about uh, Killmonger's theme um, and how it sort of contrasted and everything. And I really liked hearing that process because it was more than just like, here's a pad for a thing. He was like, oh, well, Killmonger like grew up in Oakland and this whole thing, but he's also like trying to get like back into uh, Wakanda. And so like, he was like, so 808s, like, I was like, yeah, that actually really makes sense for Killmonger's theme. And so like, whenever you would hear like the 808 drums in there, but it was sort of like mixed in with like the, the like African mm. style. It's like, oh yeah, that's very Killmonger. And it was also like really dark and stuff. Um, But yeah, like that's an instance where he didn't just do the emotion he did music. <laughs> um, and I mean, I just saw Captain Marvel the other day. I don't remember any of it, <laughs> like any of the music whatsoever. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, they're still getting paid, obviously. I mean... I, I will gladly make bland music for a Marvel movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I'm talking a lot. You say something. Oh, man, that's. Have you scored anything? Like, have you scored a lot of stuff? <laughs> I've seen like films, yeah. Film. Yeah, I've done a, a couple things. The the um, most recent thing I did was um, actually when we were in that class, the Red Carpet Film Festival. We yeah, scored yeah. Those those short films. So that was the most recent. Like, mm. The most recent thing I've yeah scored. What what was yours? It was uh, after the final hour, so it was about the um, death going and collecting the soul souls. Oh the yeah, that, yeah, that one was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun to put together. I really enjoyed doing that. Mm. <laughs> do you want to do more film scoring than just like contemporary composition, whatever the hell that means? <laughs> like classical yeah, composition. Actually, yeah, I think so. I think I'd want to do that. I think I wouldn't want to. I just wouldn't want to ever be in a situation where I'm only doing that. Yeah, yeah. Nonstop, only doing film scores, or I, I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I want the variety. I just feel like there's no like market for just being like a composer for like orchestras. Yeah. And that's really like, yeah, there's just no market or there's no like industry for it. It seems like it's, it's all nested within academia anyways. Yeah. Or like, you know, even like Philharmonics are essentially academic. Yeah ensembles just because everyone just like went straight out of university into a philharmonic <laughs> and all of those people probably teach <laughs> at universities um but like i don't know i i um we had scott McAllister at uco do you know any scott McAllister pieces he did uh, uh black dog so. and uh i can't remember what the actual title of it, but he called it bright, fluffy band music. Uh, <laughs> um, but he, he's done stuff that, Oh, he did pop copy as well. Mm. Um, but like, 
I don't know. It seems kind of weird to only make music for like classical consumption. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good point. That's true. I think yeah, it's a lot easier to get more work writing for a variety of different avenues. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think I find it more enjoyable. I like writing the different styles mm-hmm. of music. Yeah. Well, what's a style that you've that you haven't touched yet that you're really interested in? Hmm. That's that's a tough that's a tough one. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe doing more jazz, I guess. Stuff. Yeah, you know, jazz. I like jazz a little bit, but so I think maybe writing more like jazz, big band stuff would be something mm. I would want to get into. I don't really write a lot. Yeah, it's been fun doing that. Um, mostly, not mostly, but a lot of it has been just really fun to play with chord extensions. Mm. Like, sure, the chord progression is like you know, one, four, five, six, whatever. Like, but each one has like seven, nine, 13, however (laughs) many more I can put in there. And like, it actually makes it easier to write chord progressions whenever you have like that many more extensions because you can follow a melody easier because you have more options. Um, Because triads just makes it, hard to like navigate between chords um that using a bunch of chord extensions it's like oh i can just like either stay on this note or like just take steps or chromatic steps or whatever that might be it makes it a lot more fun to like write melodies um i'm trying to think of like oh yeah uh, i do remember a style that i've like been interested in but haven't messed with is um in that film scoring class for the video game project, um, there was like the outside part where it was like deserty and stuff. And, uh, Oh, that was that the final project. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the video game one. Yeah. Uh, and I, (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah, this, this looks cool. Like maybe I should do like tabla sort of stuff. And I like looked into tablas and I was like, I can't touch this without, doing really bad cultural appropriation <laughs> um because like there's a whole like language and depth into like the study of tabla and stuff and i was like oh i have some tabla samples in my thing yeah and i like looked at it and i was like that's a lot of like different sounds for what it is and so i, I looked into it and I, i'm i'm not touching tabla <laughs> there's too much going on here that i um, that's actually something I was, that reminds me of something. How do we deal with cultural appropriation whenever we're making stuff in a certain style? <laughs> yeah, that's really, that yeah, is a tough issue, especially with film <laughs> composition mm-hmm. because trying to like, um, use the music to help communicate like location and stuff. A yeah. lot of times they do that. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, it's tough because it, a lot of times it seems like they just like you're taking a certain sound of something, mm. not really fully taking the time to learn about the instrument and the culture yeah, yeah. and just using it mm. to 
for your one instance so you can then make money with whatever product <laughs> you're selling. So it's it's really screwed up in yeah. that way. I think um yeah, writing stuff maybe that's genuine and good music of that style. I think yeah. really taking the time to learn and understand it is a good way. Maybe br- and bringing in performers that actually yeah. play that music and are yeah, from that culture and having them play the music and stuff, I think yeah, could help with that. I don't What do you think? <laughs> What's your opinion on that? Um I mean, pretty much that, like, um, I mean, going back to, like, the Black Panther thing, he, like, went to Africa Mm. and, like, listened to their music for a while and, like, got to know the performers and stuff and then had them, like, play on the thing. And obviously we can't do that for everything. (laughs) It's like, oh, now I have a film that's supposed to be set in, you know, China, so let me just go to China for like a while. <laughs> like, not everything has yeah. the budget for that. Uh, <laughs> um, but I do think like studying it and like getting to know people that make that music and make that style of music so that you don't do it wrong. Mm. Um, or I don't know, I don't like the idea of like not doing it at all because. One that'll make directors very upset, uh, but <laughs> that like only getting into it once you've once you understand what it's supposed to be like, yeah, um, having like a genuine appreciation for that music, yeah, and enjoying it when to create something mm-hmm. of that caliber as opposed to just taking what you need from something for your own uses. I guess that's what it, yeah, because. Yeah, and that that was kind of the the thing about like once I saw the tabla thing, I was like, <laughs> I can't take enough time right now to do this thing justice, so I'm just not gonna touch it. Um, rather than you know do something problematic or whatever, or do something like, oh, that's actually not physically possible, and that's the other like. That's one of like the first things that we go over when learning composition. It's like literally just, can this instrument do this? <laughs> yeah. um, and just constantly like referencing like, all right, here's the range. Here's the range that they like. Here's the range that won't sound as good. And that's, uh, it's a hurdle, but it's not like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, time is is the hard part (laughs) um but something you keep bringing up is like genuineness uh in composition so like um and i've talked to people about it before and we may have talked about it in the film scoring class like patrick had talked about if a uh if like a country western artist (laughs) were to like Oh yeah, they they perform all this stuff like yeah, I'm out here in my pickup truck on my ranch being living the cowboy life and then after he like goes off stage, he like gets in his Prius and goes to his apartment and like watches Netflix or something. Yeah. Like that's a space where authenticity is really important to the art. Yeah. Uh whereas with like I don't know 
EDM or something. Like you don't necessarily have to be a party animal all the time because when you're performing, that is the party. And it's like, yeah, you can just like go home and like meditate or something. And like that doesn't necessarily run against the idea yeah. of making EDM. <laughs> um, but like what steps are necessary for it to be genuine <laughs> to you, I guess. Uh. I guess that um kind of stems back to like, or has something to do with like, I feel like when you're writing like a piece of music, you're making certain claims about something. Mm -hmm. So when you write something like what you made that example about the uh, country Western artist, yeah, yeah. not really living that life. He's making claims and saying he lives by that life and that's who he is as a person. And then mm -hmm. he's not. So I think that lack of truthfulness and, it being genuine yeah, takes yeah. away from what the music is and makes it less emotionally impactful. Mm -hmm. So writing from a genuine space of who you are as a person, I think mm. makes the music more, have more of an emotional impact than yeah. just writing something generic that, you know, the person doesn't really, that's not who they are. That's not what they really care about. Yeah. Well, know. yeah, but there's also like, there's also instances where there's no way to actually be genuine and they're upfront about like, this is a character like gorillas isn't actually a band of animated <laughs> individuals. It is one person collaborating with a bunch of different people because you physically cannot be an animated musician because you are a three dimensional person. Uh, <laughs> but like on face value, it's like, yeah, gorillas isn't really gorillas or like Ziggy Stardust isn't. Ziggy Stardust <laughs> it's just a character um but like it's important to point out in the first place to be like hey this is a character by the way because if you don't do that then there's still a level of like oh no you're lying to us <laughs> hmm. um but I don't know like you did the uh, you did the opera really well and you you did that style really well and it wasn't like I never felt like there was a point yeah. that it was like appropriating anything or it, in any way it sounded genuine like yeah. you said how did you get to that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that is that's tough to answer I think a lot of it is also um, listening. I, I think a lot of it's like listening to music. Mm -hmm. So I listen to a lot of music. Um, drawing a blank right now. <laughs> I'm trying to think of art artist name. <laughs> no, yeah, pull it up. I gotta pull that up real fast. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, while you're doing that, I'll say that like for. For the opera I was doing, like, I did listen to a bunch of different operas just so I could get, like, the style somewhat what I was going for. <laughs> but mm -hmm. go ahead. Oh, sorry. So Nina Simone was, like, an example. Her oh, song yeah. Mississippi Goddamn. Um, Strange Fruit. So I was listening to a lot of, like, a lot of those music that's, like, protest music. Yeah. To see the way the text, how they wrote mm -hmm. and talked about those issues. 
and then just listening to that music. Mm-hmm. But I never, I don't know, I never really, I didn't, never broke apart the music and tried to figure out theoretically what they're doing hmm. and then mimic that through a process of writing or anything. I sat down behind the piano, improvised ideas, and came up with mm-hmm. those ideas. And that's what yeah. it was. So I, I never, I don't know. <laughs> Well, whatever never, you did, it, it like it uh, worked because <laughs> I think we got it. Like, <laughs> um, so is is that like mostly an intuitive process for you? Because the, there are times when I am trying to like fit into a style, and I will like take the theory and like try and break it mm-hmm. down. Like, oh, what kind of scale is this? What's it doing here? What is the embellishments that are going on that make this sound like this? <laughs> I think I'm I really um can connect with the emotion behind mm-hmm. what the characters are feeling in the stories and stuff. I think that's really how what helps me with the writing mm-hmm. is thinking about the struggles they had to endure and thinking about that what the characters go through it really helps me to when writing the music because I find it easier to write from that emotional place too helps. Yeah, yeah. So I don't that's that's one thing. Mm. I think that kind of helps. Are we forced to just be like emotional wrecks all the time? Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I do write a lot of stuff from that emotional point. And uh, the other part is that I I also tend to perform a lot of my music myself. And so I, I do have to like put myself in that brain space. Um do you listen back to your pieces and get back into that space? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do. Because I, yeah, because I can feel like the exact spots within the piece that I've written. Yeah. Where I was feeling that exact emotion. And I, it kind of remind, yeah, it reminds me of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, were those things that they, time capsule or something. It's oh, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. Like a time capsule. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I get this all the time too. Whenever there's like a section that was like particularly annoying or <laughs> like it took some time to like get it to work right. I'd kind of get back to that space too. Whenever like that part of the music is there and it's like, ah, I remember the frustration of you. <laughs> Do you ever get that? Like remembering a frustration of a certain spot. Yeah. Even if like the music has nothing to do with that. It's just like, it was annoying to work with. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I don't think I... Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't... I think I do a little bit. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. Because, like... I know that there, there are parts where I'm like... This, <laughs> this part right here was annoying to, like, orchestrate or anno- annoying to, like, get it to sound right. And it... More so, I'll, I'll just, like, get stuck on... Darn you the little <laughs> stitch in my side. <laughs> um, one of the sort of last things that I put on the second podcast is, uh, what have you been listening to watching, reading or playing, uh, that you want other people to know about? Oh, like music that I've been listening to. Yeah. Or TV shows or movies or whatever it is that you, Oh, that's... You can do one of each. Yeah, so I guess a book that I've read recently is Altered Carbon. Mm. Have you? 
And there's a Netflix original yeah. series that they based on the book. I started to watch it and I didn't like it as much, but <laughs> uh, I actually thought I watched the show first and I thought it was really good. Mm. Read the book and now the show sucks. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> That's kind of like the effect. The yeah, show's yeah. not terrible. The show's still entertaining, but there's like there's so many more missing. details yeah. and it makes way more sense in the book. Mm. Ha- the stuff happens in real estate. Yeah, movies. yeah. Yeah. So, book, what was the other one? Movie uh, and movies, the uh, music. Movie. <laughs> I can't really think of a movie I watched. I don't know. I guess music recently, I, I've been listening to um, Biggie stuff nice. recently. Like his, I listened to his Life After Death album and his, um, his first album. I'm trying to think of the name of that. Um, I, Ready to Die. Yeah, yeah, Ready to Die is the name of it. Listen to that. Yeah. That's, that's a blind spot in my... <laughs> Yeah, uh, me, you know Ray, right? Ray Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend Ray, yeah. We'd make hip-hop music together, so... Okay, yeah, yeah. I try to listen to a lot more of that style stuff, too, mm-hmm. to help with that. So that's some of the stuff I've been listening to recently, music-wise. Um, And then playing. Do you play video games much anymore? Who has time uh, yeah, to play what, video games? I, I get too stressed out when trying to do that. <laughs> play video games. I'm thinking about all the stuff I could have done in those hours. It's too stressful to play games. I'm on spring break, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, video games, like my favorite game or something or most recent? Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess the most recent one I played was Borderlands, the okay. first game, which is not a new game, though. <laughs> but I played that actually over the spring break. Nice. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite game? <laughs> I'll say mine is Transistor. It's an indie game. Mm. Uh, the music is super good, but like the art style and everything about it is really great. <laughs> uh, that's a really tough. <laughs> that's a really tough, tough choice to make. I don't know. Like you, so you can only play this game in the rest of your life. Why do you always like do this with the questions? <laughs> that's how you really know if it's your favorite game or not. If that's the only game you could have for the rest of your life and play, would you do it? Yeah. So then I guess it's your favorite. Yeah. Same thing with the pies. You have it's not you, you can't if you can just play any game whenever you want. Then it's really, the stakes aren't high enough for me to make that choice. I could just put no, a different game in. Well, I mean, because Transistor also has like New Game Plus. There's so many different varieties that you can play it with, and like. I still listen to the music like every yeah. now and again and still go like, ah, that's so good. Like I, I know all of it really well too. Mm. <laughs> I think Skyrim is like a really, cause yeah. the music was so, I think that's like some of the best video game music cause it blends mm. so well with the game. You yeah, don't yeah. even, it, I can't tell a starter into the piece. It's so amazing how yeah. it works with it. And it's another one that like, we were talking about how like music that's independent of yeah. the thing, like, uh, Jeremy Soule makes good music yeah. and then it goes into the game. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you can you can remember the theme. You can remember, like, uh, Oblivion's score is... Act- I like Oblivion's score a little bit more than Skyrim's score. Um, but, like, there's a lot of really good melodies in there. And it's, it's nice that there are video games with melody. Because <laughs> that... Doesn't happen as often because everything has to be so ambient. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bjork is someone that I've still been kind of uh, going back to. 
Uh, not so much going back to because I wasn't as into Bjork for a while. Uh, and so I need to get into David Bowie because <laughs> I've like missed that. And uh, one like of his music? Uh, yeah. Well, like yeah, he has such a wide variety too. His stuff's so, so yeah. different as time progressed. But like I'm 23 and it, like, <laughs> it happened before me. So it's just not something I've listened to. So. Uh, but the reason that I've been meaning to is because, um, on the power cycle concert that's coming up, um, I have a song that I had written before, like the concert. I just like wanted to perform it with different people and have a different vibe with it. Like as soon as I showed it to, uh, Breck and John, they were like, this is so David Bowie. And I'm like, really? I don't listen to David Bowie. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so now I'm kind of required to take in all of David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, I had that, a similar experience with that was um at the opera workshop mm. when that guy mentioned that one artist, that folk singer. You know what I'm talking about? Um, She's I can't a really quite remember it. Folk singer from the seventies. I mean, Bob Dylan. <laughs> as soon as I pull it up, I'm gonna. Joni Mitchell, that's right. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joni Mitchell. Because he was like, oh, it's not like Joni Mitchell. But I never had listened to her up to that, that, that point. And then after she said that, I was like, oh, I checked out her music. And she's yeah. some cool. Yeah, cool I, I've been meaning to get into Joni Mitchell as well. There's, there's like these staples of like, you know, there's, there's classical music like canon. Yeah. But there's also like contemporary music canon. And like Bowie and Prince and yeah. like Joni Mitchell are all stuff that like. Rolling Stones and Beatles, obviously. Like, it's all, like, rock and roll, like, canon that everyone should listen to. But I also grew up with my own music, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did recently watch uh, Love, Death, and Robots, which is a another anthology series on Netflix, which further cements my ideas for making anthology music. Uh in sci-fi sort of stuff. Um, but Love, Death, and Robots is a animated uh, sci-fi slash fantasy anthology series, um, which is really cool. A little too, like, edgy at times, um, but, like, still very, like... Um, I don't know what's the word I'm thinking of. Uh, the vibe is better sometimes than like the stories themselves, but each episode's like super short, like less than 15 minutes. Um, what's the, where's, where's the show? Uh, it's on Netflix. Mm, uh, I haven't heard. I haven't seen that. So I, yeah. It like just came out. List. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's some episodes are animated by, uh, like, they're just 2D animation, like, traditional animation. Other episodes are, like, full-on 3D, like, hyper-realistic stuff. Um, and so it's really different stuff. One of the episodes, uh, the director was actually the art director on Into the Spider-Verse. Um, mm. And so it had, like, a similar kind of comic booky style. Um, but that was super cool. Uh, but, yeah, listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> or watch that and listen to the other things. <laughs> Um, Chris, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> um, plug your stuff one more time. 
Oh, okay. So yeah, April 13th, uh, my that, album. That one, that'll be in the past. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, no, April 13th. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, so April <laughs> 13th, uh, my album, uh, Music for Memories, is going to be released. Mm. Uh, and then... Um, where, can, where can they find that and pay for it and download it and do all the things? Yeah, you can find this. Uh, this album is going to be on CD Baby for physical copies and you can um and digital downloads and then you can also stream it from apple music and spotify and all, all the um, proceeds are going to um, be donated to end rape on campus too sweet um and that's a really that's a really awesome thing uh what else other concerts this goes up not next week but the week after that so whatever other concerts that you have going on that are after that point <laughs> i guess uh stuff with um some of my music on is opera on tap on may oh, yeah. 18th yes which um that'll become get posted up soon on the facebook mm. but they'll be having their um tim and opera festival again yeah then so you'll be able to hear local um operas from local composers me santiago and hannah heldwig mm. yeah all doing some stuff so you'll be able to hear that um not just page. because you're right in front of me, <laughs> but because I genuinely think so. Yours is really freaking good. <laughs> Hannah's is really freaking good. Mine's all right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, no, this is this is music worth hearing, um, and I I really think that uh, the stories, the messages are really good. It's really good. Um. <laughs> uh, what else you got? Or is that whatever is close to your yeah. immediate memory? <laughs> uh, I, I think I got one more. Uh, May 5th. <laughs> it's a little bit sooner than that. But May 5th is, this is OYO, Oklahoma Youth Orchestra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're familiar with them. Mm. They're performing their um, final concert that day. And I got, they're going to be, um, Oklahoma Youth Philharmonic Orchestra is going to be premiering a piece of mine. Sweet. So, uh, What is that? What's that called? Oh, it's called Unsung Hero. Sweet. And it's kind of like a heroic, has a slow like um, opening. Yeah. And then it goes into like a kind of heroic theme. Nice. Yeah. Go to that. Where is that? When is that? That is going to be happening at the Wanda Bass School of Music. Okay. Uh, May 5th. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure on the time. That's fine. Right. You can also look that up on uh, yep. Facebook. Look it find up. That. Uh, and then where can we find you on all the social medias? Oh, I'm on uh, Facebook, Chris Prather Music. I'm on Instagram also under that same name. And uh, YouTube and Sweet. SoundCloud. Look stuff up. Chris makes really good music. I'm not, again, I'm not just saying that because he's right in front of me. I'm saying that because you make really good music. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you're a really good composer. I hope that. I can make stuff as good as you. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm Santiago Ramones. Uh, this is Chris Prather. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. You can download or pay for my demo, Songs with Words. Those are songs with words. If you want less songs with words, uh, you can... Uh, well, there's still going to be songs with words. Uh, you can go to the Power Cycle concert that's on April 10th. 
it's electronic experimental electronic music by John Edwards, Breck McGough, and myself, and some other people will be playing some stuff with us. There's some songs, there's some poetry, there's some completely improvised stuff. Um, we'll see how long that completely improvised piece goes because it, we we like went for 15 minutes today. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, and most importantly. Free pizza. <laughs> 7.30, April 10th at the UCO Jazz Lab. The day after that, Thursday, April 11th at the Jazz Lab at 7.30 is my graduate composition performance. There will be an anthology sort of work like Black Mirror, but it's seven pieces and then some other stuff that are inspired by ideas in technology and the future and science fiction. So that is the thing that I've been working on for the past two years. So if you want to come to that, please do. Um, I always end my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.